Welcome to the first official soccer podcast. My name is Bori and I am joined by Manny and Justin. Today we will be talking, unfortunately, about the um, abysmal uh, display in the Liga MX uh, game, uh, Cuadratado versus uh, Atlas. Uh, we're also going to be talking EPL, uh, Manchester Derby, talking about Chelsea. Are they going to be sold or not? And then, of course, the Champions League is back. This time around, though, people are going to get hurt. People are going to be booted out of the competitions. We have four big games, maybe three big games, actually, uh, this week. Uh, and and big teams that may get kicked out um, in the Champions League. But we got to start with in the, in the, the first place, you know, just to acknowledge what's going on in the Liga MX um, world. Uh, that's the Mexican uh, league, essentially. Um, so, for those that don't know, uh, there was a game that happened, I believe, on Saturday. Uh, Cuartaro versus Atlas. Uh, two two rivals. Apparently, the rivalry goes way back. Uh, you know, the 90s, I think. Um, it, it's such a weird situation. And and Manny and and Justin, I, I would love you know your backup on this. And and I'm sure like we all are against the violence um i'm sure i can speak for 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 two of you but i think what really gets me with this situation and let me just quickly describe the situation essentially they were playing the game obviously you know the rivals they hate each other everyone wears the jersey jerseys of the team so uh Quartaro wears blue jersey atlas wears the the red black red and black jersey kind of like atlanta united um and uh around the six, second minute something changed and uh, you know fans were fighting in the stands uh I, from what i understand there you know the stadium holds 35,000 i don't think the stadium was full so what essentially things got out of hand and the fight broke out onto the pitch where the players were playing and so they had to call off the game and i think we could say okay maybe okay sure there was a security breach we've seen that before uh, but I've never in my existence, and maybe I'm just naive and, and just ignorant, never seen anything like this in my life uh, watching this game. And, and it's really shocking. Uh, and I, I would say, really, if you're going to look up this thing online, I would really say viewers discretion, highly advised, because it is actually graphic what's going on or what went on last weekend um, and, and what to make matters worse it seems like there's a lot of confusion about how many deaths or how many people are hospitalized which doesn't help the situation uh because maybe people are, are people are dead and family members are probably like no this person is dead and then people are saying zero people are dead anyways my point is this this is not the football that we know the fact that one team uh could feel that like they could beat up and stab and you know really you know people were naked like they stripped them naked they were stomped on i mean i don't know what else to say i'm really shocked like i think it just really takes for you to see what went on um it's just something that should not be in our game like i understand there's rivalry and, and all that stuff the the highest it should turn into is just dissing the club and saying how crappy their team is or maybe how they have the worst defense in, in the history of you know defending in, in in our game but not violence you know that i don't know i back me up here i, I think i just need somebody else to just because i'm really like i'm really just flabbergasted I, I i can't believe this can happen in, in especially in the modern era um of, of this game going over some of the images like you mentioned um i doesn't seem surreal that that kind of uh uh, I, I guess event would would take place um, in a football match, nonetheless. Um, but you know, there, it, like I was saying before we started recording, you know, this doesn't seem to be like maybe because of um, I, I guess individually taking a step back. Every league has its own riv- rivalries. For example, you know, there's there's some that are bigger than others and uh what's really shocking to me is that the stadium has like you said it's a larger stadium like thirty-five thousand, something like that but the amount of security 
on hand was something like less than like 600 or something yeah, it was like that, 600. which yeah. doesn't make sense knowing that these are two of the fiercest rivals. They don't like each other at all, the fan bases, so it's no secret. The fact that, you know, there wasn't more security on hand um, is just very dumbfounding. Um, for example, you look at the rivalries that go on in South America, some really big ones in Brazil, um, a, a major one in Argentina between Boca Juniors and River Plate. When those two teams play, they pretty much lock down the entire stadium. Like, that's how they get, they bring in extra security, police, uh, just to make sure that this kind of thing doesn't occur. In fact, that I think in previous years, uh, those teams have actually played with uh, just like the home team uh, on one side, either on one side of the of the stadium, or like the uh, visiting team doesn't have any any fans whatsoever, just to prevent something like this from happening. Um, and I feel like that's probably what's going to end up happening um, in this league going forward because. Uh, it's it's horrible, like uh, seeing that. I think there's like 17 reported deaths and counting. So well, um, yeah. The thing is, the thing is, we're battling a situation where we don't know what the truth is. The the mayor or the governor is saying one thing. Um, certain people are saying other things. So we don't even know what's true anymore. I would say that League MX as a league is actually suspended uh, indefinitely. So we don't even know, which is for me actually a very good call. I'm glad they didn't just suspend that game, um, and it actually re- has a ripple effect towards the uh, because I think this that that's the right action they took took there in my opinion. Um, and, and it's weird also this, just giving people more details about this. Like it seems like a lot of the fans were able to get away with bringing knives and and certain objects into the stadium. Um, so it sounds like the metal detector was either taking a break when those fans came in or or it wasn't working at all um, because it doesn't doesn't make sense how people could bring in knives and I don't I don't know where the league goes from here because how do you bring back um, you know security to to the to the like essentially calming the fears of the fans right because then as a fan would you want to go and risk you you know being that kind of situation so well yeah families casual fans people who just love the game you know actual fans we you could say no you they probably are less likely to go to the game especially if they have young children imagine bringing your kid to a match and this something like this happens so all those types of fans people who we typically consider true sports fans i think would be less likely to go the ones who are going to show up are the ones who'd be more likely to cause trouble, perhaps, uh, unfortunately. But, I mean, <clears throat> they're saying they're going to um, look into implementing things like biometric scans, facial recognition. All these things take a lot of time to set up. And also, like, you need to have, like, a database of uh, bad actors to go off of. So I don't know how they're going to set that all up. It, the, you're right, boy. Like, this, the opening the league back up again, and particularly for these two clubs, but for the whole league, um, it's going to be it's a dicey proposition, but, you know, um, we'll see what happens. It's a shame. I mean, I, I didn't know about the story, actually, before we started recording. Um, and much like Manny, I was like going through like the images and the stories and the eyewitness accounts. And it's just it's a true tragedy. It's terrible. So I'm hoping never have to see images like this, especially coming off a soccer field, uh, coming off a pitch um, ever again. Yeah, it's a story to watch. We'll see. We'll see what the official count is, but hopefully, it's it's doesn't get high and high. Um, well, I think there's only another place we can start or continue uh, after that horrible tragedy. But um, we we want to talk about the Manchester Derby. Um, I think you know. I think I, I don't hide it from anybody. I love watching Manchester City play because I think they play close to, you know, the Barcelona, Barcelona team of old. Uh, obviously not as close, but, you know, kind of close. Um, but what a game. I mean, this was essentially a tale of two, two halves. Um, you know, like my summary from the game 
is really the first 30 minutes, you know, it could have gone either way, even though after 30 minutes, Manchester City were up 2-1. Um, but I think after that, that's when things changed, because then we started to see, because it sounded, it seemed like Rannick went with a different flow, like Langa playing the false nine position, for example. Um, so I think that kind of confused or, or disrupted, uh, you know, uh, what Pep was trying to do, which is, you know, obviously high press. Um, so, so yeah, so City scored first. Then I saw Manchester City, uh, Manchester United score, and I was like, wait a minute, like this sounds, this seems like, you know, the, you know, Manchester United are without Ronaldo. I think they're going to do it. I was like, oh my gosh, they're, they're going to do it. They're actually going to beat Manchester, Manchester City. And then, of course, uh, you know, they equalized. Or, or they, they scored, uh, City scored 2-1. And then from then, it just went down. Like, it went downhill. Like, like a nosedive, essentially. Uh, especially in the second half. I mean, horrendous stuff from 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 Manchester United. Like, you could see even Fred, for example, was was kind of mouthing with, with Wan-Bissaka, for example. I think they were blaming each other for something. I don't even know. It was it, it was horrible. It was horrible. I I don't know how else to describe it. I've never seen a team just break down this much. It was, it was almost as if they just, uh, what's the word? They just surrendered. They were like, yeah, we're, we're going to lose this game. Um, desperate, yeah, right. desperate to go home. They were desperate to get off the pitch. I saw yeah. something, Bori, speaking to like your point about the second half. So the statistic that I saw was in the last 25 minutes of the game or so, after yeah. after pretty much after City got their third goal, um, United I think completed like 25 passes or something like that. And this sounds ludicrous, but like I'm pretty sure this is the actual statistic. I'll I'll have to look it up to fact check myself. I think it was like United had 25 completed passes to Manchester City's 200 in like the last um, third of the game, something like that. Something like something truly like abysmal to kind of uh, drill in the point that United just were not connecting any which way. Uh, clearly just had given up like, you know, 3-1 is like not an un- insurmountable um, deficit. But for them, right. they're just like, they're, you know, given the season that they're having and given the season that City's having and the way that they are feeling about themselves and about their teammates, they just like, were like, forget it. Forget it. We just wanted this to be over. Yeah, I, and see to your point actually, because I think that the game plan really from Ragnik was sit back and absorb and then counter. Which, let's be honest, uh, especially with Ruben Diaz being out, uh, I don't know if Laporte or Stones are the fastest centre backs. So now we're saying, okay, you know, we know the way CZ plays. They put six, seven players, you know, in the in the in the box of of the other of the opponents um and so they they have a very high line uh and i'm sure that Ragnik was like yeah we're gonna just counter attack but to your point they didn't even like like they counter attacked for their goal that that was honestly that was beautiful sure. yeah credit to Pogba, by the way but for some reason yeah. they didn't even feel like defending to the point to to like essentially block all the passing lanes and that's why I'm trying to understand how in a derby, we're not talking about some random game, maybe between United and Liverpool. This is a, I mean, although they hate each other, but this is a derby. You should, you would think that the intensity will be higher, right? Like, I mean, Manny, like the intensity should be higher in a derby, right? I mean, I mean, honestly, I was just surprised that Ronaldo was on the bench. Wait, hold on. Let's review the footage. Oh, review the footage. Hold on. Wait, hold on. Where's Ronaldo? On. Ronaldo's not <laughs> in the starting lineup. He's not on the uh, bench. There's no report that he's injured. Oh, that's right. He's well, jet setting back home. They, they've in said, arguably they, one of the and one alleged. and arguably one of the fiercest rivalries. Well, alleged. They, they alleged, allegedly that he had some. They made up some. I can't remember. Maybe it was like a hip doctor or so, some random injury. But do we really believe? Yeah, the it? ego. Yeah, uh, yeah. He he his ego was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. His ego was bruised. Yeah. When Ragnik told him he wasn't going to be starting. 
but yeah, go ahead, boy. What, what's your? No, no, it. I was gonna say like, like I mean, so to to be genuine, like I don't think anyone knows what really is going on there with you know Ronaldo, Ryan and and especially this situation. Like, was Ronaldo? I mean, we're playing nothing good. That, right? Two two words. Two words, for you. two words. Player mutiny. That's what's happening in that locker room right now. You can't tell me that 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 the way that those players show up, there's not uh, a, I guess a division right in 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 the locker room. Um, there's no set leader, right? Like what are you talking uh, about, Captain Harry Maguire? No, no <laughs> leader, leader. Okay, he was leading them, leading them in uh, letting Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, like waltz onto the penalty spot and score two goals. He he led them in that effort. And and you see what happens. Um, no, I I think like here's the thing. Like United is in a for for all the for all the fun that we make of Spurs and Arsenal and all that stuff. I think United is really the team that's like in free fall and has been for the last seasons. Like ever since Fergie left. Like management. They can't get anything right. They spent the most money out of any team um, just trying to buy players. For all the fun that Chelsea gets made of, of like second coaches and stuff, United's been doing just the same thing, but without results. That's the only difference. The last coach to actually give them something was Mourinho. Okay, think about that. And and he got fortunate to, to, to win, uh, what was it that he won the Europa League with them? When they played like the youngest team in history um, in the Ajax team that went to the final. So, I mean, there's a lot going on with this team. Um, they have a lot of figuring out to do. And right now it's looking like they don't even crack top six, let alone top four. It is scary. And, and they have uh, their upcoming fi- fixtures. I think they still have what Liverpool to play. Um, Arsenal to play. Don't they play Arsenal too? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And Arsenal is on the up yeah. and up, so it is. Yeah, it is not looking good. So what I'm trying to understand, first of all, is how did United get this wrong with Rangnick? Like, I understand the whole plan. Like, oh yeah, let's put Rangnick, and but then he's going to become a consultant. Like, that's stupid. Like, why didn't they just go for a quote unquote world class coach? Right? Like. They I, could. I, I, could make a, next week. I just don't think it makes a difference. It just uh, like you don't think so. Like no. Can you tell like, me? Like, is like, it, is point. Then Opochino is on this team. They, they <clears> won't play well. Better. He will be after they lose. They get eliminated from uh, from Champions League <laughs> later this week. <laughs> they need a, a a manager who will stay and set a vision, and they will back fully. So uh, maybe the thinking is with Rangnick, like to let him manage out the rest of the season. If he gets a, a board position or something in the you know back room, then he can kind of help whoever the next manager who succeeds him is to like craft a vision, craft like which players we need to let go of, which players we need to bring in. They need like a full retooling. It feels like, you know, like you know, Manny called out like uh, some other top teams who have like been on hard times over the past in the past decade. Uh, Arsenal obviously being one of them. Arsenal, you know, tried to just like patchwork, slap patches, buy new new players, buy superstars, like just like, you know, it's in eventually like there's too many holes in the ship to to keep it afloat. And you need to just retool, bring in a new captain, uh, commission a new vessel, just like kind of be like, let's, 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 let's set sail a new vision with some new players um, and just go all in on it. And um, if I can coin a phrase, trust the process. And I think, Manny shaking his head, but that's what that's what Arsenal did. And they, they, you know, it it's not just like the results on the field, right? It is the it's the spirit, it's the atmosphere around the club. And there's just one of like death, like you know, just vultures circling overhead for Manchester United. and in Old Trafford, and which like you know is supposed to be one of the hardest uh, stadiums to play within, and when you're a visitor, but it has not been in recent memory. And the fans are just kind of like, you know, it, it's it's exhausting to as a fan to see your team spend money to have your get your hopes up every single season and then have them like dashed uh, and see them like like see these superstar players ones that are like we're so expensive and are getting paid so much money not give their all not even give half of what they could give on the field from week to week. 
So I, I think that's the most damaging aspect of all this. And that's what I think means like a rebuild is not just like on the field. It's like, just like building the whole club ethos, the whole club um, uh, drive and, motive and ambitions, like kind of like re hit the reset button on all of that. So maybe that's what they're doing with Ryan Deek. Like, like I mean, you know, kudos to uh, Ralph Ragnett for playing a uh, 5D chess because right now he's getting two paychecks at once. So, you know, good for him. He he went ahead and he negotiated that pre-contract and he was like, hey, you know, I'm just going to show him like how bad I am at coaching. You know, good for him. He's he's making that money. But to Justin's point, I feel like um, this all stems like everything that Justin mentioned, those teams that have gone through hard times. They all have one thing in common, and that's how inept the management can be. And by by management, I'm talking about the ownership, right? Right. And it's yep. no secret that the Glazers are just turning Manchester United is pretty much their cash cow. That's all they care about. They're American owners. They just care about revenue. They don't care about success. And that's how it's been. And um, sadly, that is. Um, that's not going to change anytime soon. Like Manchester United is like top 10 most profitable uh, sports franchises in the world. And as long as they remain there, the Glazers have a hold, a string of hold on, you know, that money and uh, nothing's going to change. Speaking so, about not. Oh, go ahead, Justin. Well, I was just going to say, I want to throw a question to both of you just as a hypothetical. If you were in charge, if you were put in charge of Manchester United for the, for a day, do you would you hit the reset button? Would you are there certain players like are there certain gaps on the field that you think you could plug? Uh, would you go the route that like you know Bore you kind of alluded to like you know bring in a superstar manager and go with the same squad? Like what would be the number one first thing you think you'd want to do? You mean like right now like at the moment that the let's say it's, that they're in? Let's say yeah. Let's say the situation doesn't change for the rest of the season. They don't make you don't make top four so you missed out on champions league let's say you finish like whatever sixth place something like that you know uh you have all these players you have all these huge salaries um what do you do do you do you go for the rebuild do you do you try and make it work with the current crop of players and bring in a coach to inspire them like what do you think you need to do i think Yolo ball be... harry uh harry mcguire as a new number nine <laughs> It's a new center forward and striker. <laughs> hey, hey, all they got they got some talented wingers. That's a big target to hit uh, crossing into the box. That big forehead of his. If there's one thing that he that he knows how to do is uh, smack a ball with his head. So there you go, target <laughs> oh, man. Oh gosh, we making fun of a man that was 80 million. Um, no, actually though. So uh, personally, I think yeah, I mean, if if at the end of the season, I would horrid horridly, I'll be I you know I'll be quick about this. Get rid of Ryan. I don't think he his philosophies, unless I'm just naive and I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, at least I don't think he. I think some certain coaches need to be able to bend with the crops of players, in my opinion. So, for example, a, a coach like Pioli, the Milan coach, like no matter who you give him, he's able to kind of bend the players. I think Tuchel is actually kind of like that too. Like he's able to bend, like. I don't like managers that have one set system, right? Because Ryan Lee likes to play, play, play the 4-2-2-2-2-2-2-2, whatever formation he's playing. So, and then he needs young players that can run, you know, from 0 to 90 minutes, right? But given that United, like to your point, the Glazers don't care. They just want to make money. They're probably going to keep buying superstars or buying just players randomly, so just get a coach that will just get a band of that can turn a band of players or superstars into whatever. And I can think of a, a coach like Ancelotti. That's a, I think I'll be. I mean, obviously that's not going to happen now. But my point is like you want to find a coach like that, not a coach, not a system coach like like a Conte or like a maybe like a Pep. Like you want to get a coach that can adapt to any kind of situation. That said. There's the other part, which I think Manny or maybe you just alluded to, which is the management. Um, correct me if I, I don't know how it works in the EPL, but it seems like it, at least in Syria and I think in other major uh, leagues, they have something called the technical director. It sounds like Randnick is kind of a technical director or who I don't even know who was the technical director in Manchester United. They that maybe that person is Ronaldo. Needs to scout. 
it's 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 Ronaldo. Ronaldo, Ronaldo is a player, coach, scout, uh, you know, physio, you name it. He's he does it all. Yeah, well, so like Maldini, for example, is our is our is our technical director at Milan, and you need a past player that can that knows the DNA of United and is able to kind of stamp that not by being in the training or, or not by uh, you know setting the lineup every week week in and week out, but by like just encouraging the team, being there, just like cheering the team on, getting players, like seeing where all the holes are. Like I know it's easier said than done, but there needs to be I don't know above above Rangnick. I don't know who's above Rangnick. Who's above Rangnick? I don't know. So it's like Gary Neville. Uh, it just Gary Neville and he's a tool. <laughs> right. He's above no. TV, yeah. So it's actually another I, Manchester United. So I'm sorry, boy, while you're talking, I looked up um, who the technical director is. It's actually former player Darren Fletcher. Um, but have he you just, ever? He yes. Just, well, okay. Do you want? Do you, I'm I'm I have to quote this because I'm reading an article about. It. Do you want to hear how he 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 just recently in the past week clarified what his role was as technical director because i guess obviously people are asking the question that you're asking boy which is where's the technical director what are they doing um according to him he sees his role as primarily developing the academy talent for the future and um uh yeah uh and uh cleaning ronaldo's boots probably yeah part of my role has been to assist uh with with having the new staff move on both on a training pitch and during games. I guess that's been the most visible part for me. Yeah. So he's kind of just like the, the, I guess the player whisperer, maybe he's supposed to be the Ronaldo whisperer. Or like, he's just like the go between, between the players and the manager is what kind of what it sounds like. Right. And then they, they also yep. have a technical, they also have a football director, a director of football um, who, I don't know who, I don't know who he is and I don't know what he's also doing. John Murtaugh. He's also, that's a new role. Uh, a football director that they just it's less than a year old at Manchester United and I'm not sure what his job is either honestly that that makes sense Darren Fletcher the cornerstone and the player that uh Manchester United's winning teams were built around yes completely <laughs> well, makes sense <laughs> he's, a, he's a company man it sounds like he's he's a company man uh he puts in the work and it sounds like that's what he's doing now I don't know what they, so he does it doesn't I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't sound, seem like uh, either of these two people I'm talking about, Darren Fletcher or the other guy, are crafting a vision. They are there to Dude. execute a job. To, to, Dude, this, this is like um, this is uh, this is like Bielsa. I mean, uh, you know, shout out to Bielsa. You know, pour one out for Bielsa. He's gone. No more Bielsa ball. But this is like in peace. his interpreter. So you guys always know that Bielsa always had an interpreter with him, <laughs> right. right? His technical. Right role or his role was actually something like analyst something analyst and you're like no dude you 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 interpret you don't analyze anything so i feel like you know it, it's yeah. it's about the titles it's about the titles man it's crazy yeah. and anyways i l- l- i think we sh- we need to move on because we gotta talk chelsea uh real quick uh not nothing much here but but manny like i, I genuinely i'm not saying this just make fun of Chelsea I promise but I'm generally genuinely trying to understand um if Chelsea and it sounds like it's actually going to happen it sounds like Ibrahimovic is is not going to be the owner where do you see like does this actually affect Chelsea in any way that you can see because I felt like Ibrahimovic loved this club and I feel like maybe you know like the Glazers if we have a kind of Glazer owner at Chelsea how does that impact the club so, the Americans are coming. The Americans are no, coming, Manny. No. So, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll start with saying that, like, um, so you know, Lent just started, and I'm glad I made the decision for my health, my sanity, and everything to give up social media because, you know, right around the time that Lent started was when all this crazy news broke out that, you know, uh, the club was going to be up for sale. First, it started as like a rumor, and then next thing you know. Um, Roman Abramovich himself comes out and puts out a statement. A um, lot of things going on, a lot of emotions. Um, to keep this, I guess, uh, you know, PC, I can only speak speak to him about him as a as an owner in relations to football. He came in and he was probably like the 
he changed the game entirely, European, like football, as we know it, because he was one of the first high profile, like, um, I guess, uh, figures to come in and invest heavily into a team, into a football team, and show what you can do when you invest money into a team, when you, you, when you actually allocate funds to it, right? Um, that was like 20 years ago. He's won everything since then. Chelsea have been by far the most successful, not just London-based team, but um, British team in the last, you know, 20 years. And fast forward to how we see the game today. Now you see different consortiums, state-sponsored teams that have quickly risen to the top, have found success. Um, That's just something that is going to be here, I think, forever. Because even though, uh, you know, he's going to be selling it, the, the worst thing that could happen is a consortium of American owners, NFL owners. Uh, let's be honest. You the look around. Teams. The Glazers uh, <laughs> are um, the Glazers and Manchester United, right? NFL. Uh, Cranky. Arsenal. NFL. Right? Like, the, like we said, we were talking about the common theme to all of these teams that have been in free fall and have had difficult periods is inept management, American owners. Success in America and the NFL and the NBA and all these different franchises, MLB, whatever you want, does not necessarily equate success in football in Europe because it's a completely different model. But to these guys, billionaires, there's, uh, you know, it's, it's nothing to them, right? They're just looking for a quick buck. And um, what I fear is that we get sold, like, to a consortium of and NFL owners or NBA owners or whatever you may have. The latest news was, I think, the Jets owner, Woody Johnson, which is, uh, you know, Johnson & Johnson Pharmaceuticals. Oof. Uh, is oh, interested in buying. That's a, if, this is a to call, so for those, the nightmare for situation. Those, the nightmare scenario. For those that don't follow, yeah, like NFL, I would equate the Jets to being the Spurs of the NFL. And even then, that's being that's insulting to the Spurs. So, you know, like right now, um, I'm hoping for the best, man. Um, I, I will say this. If there's anything that this will truly change the landscape on is scrutiny and looking more closely into who these owners are, who these consortium groups are that come to the table and with a lot of cash. Because let's be honest, there's no billionaires out there that are good billionaires, right? Like. They've made their money. They've gotten this rich by exploiting either time, resources, people, or whatever you may have. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's just like your pick of like it's a your pick of the poison. And that's exactly where we are right now. Um, so I'll just keep it at that. I hope that whoever just buys it actually knows about football, like knows and actually cares about the club. Because if there's one thing that I can say about Roman, is he actually did care about the club. Right, right. And that that's my fear for Chelsea, although I'm happy that I hope my fear comes to life. I'm joking. Um, hey, ju- uh, Justin, do you want to say anything about this this whole thing and, and your uh, your I mean, Milan is also owned by an by an American company. Um, but just just any words of, of advice for for Chelsea? Uh, no. So, I, I mean, it's still very early goings in terms of the speculation around who is and isn't going to be a potential buyer. So I think we we should wait. I mean, we're joking about the American owners because, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of American uh, billionaires or sports conglomerates circling and and looking to see if there's an opportunity to take a bite at uh, at the EPL Apple, if they don't already have uh, an investment in in a team there. Um, I think that would probably be, um nine times out of ten that would be the a, a really bad scenario for chelsea particularly because i correct me if i'm wrong Manny, but i think stanford bridge is in needs of either some upgrading or a new stadium outright is probably like in the next decade or so that's correct so you know realistically the it's going to be a very short list of those who are going to be willing to make like take the plunge even though chelsea is like on pay you know it's a very attractive asset obviously 
Um, and it sounds like Abramovich is maybe putting it at a discount, maybe because he understands. But like the fact is, like you know, we you know we could spend we we have to spend a long time digging into like you know financials here and like there's the whole 1.5 uh, billion pound loan that I, I, you know Abramovich is forgiving it, quote unquote. But it's definitely going to be like included in the price because Abramovich isn't just going to let 1.5 billion walk out the door. Like it's going to be included in the sale price of Chelsea. So. Uh, you know, we could get into all that kind of stuff. I don't have anything to say about that yet until the sale, until we actually start seeing some real numbers and firm up on who the real, like the realistic buyers actually are. Um, so I, I'm going to reserve my judgment on that. So to say, Manny, hope that it's not a sports conglomerate. Hope that's not Woody Johnson. Um and uh, obviously, uh, in, in the background of all of this, the reason why all this is happening, obviously, is um, there are things bigger than sports. And, um, you know, we won't go into what Abramovich has and has not done, but um, it is interesting to see that there are, like, seri these serious ramifications coming out of, like, what's going on in Ukraine right now, that it's affecting, like, all facets of life, uh, including sport now. And frankly, that's the way I feel it should be in this particular situation. And whether there's like additional, like in the future going forward, humanitarian impacts on other clubs, like Manny kind of alluded to, and what Manny, like, you know, whether this invest potential investors uh, kind of have a second, take a second to consider who owns a club before they put their money there. Um, I think that'll be interesting to see and would actually not perhaps not be the worst outcome for the world uh, and for the sport, obviously. Very well said. Um, well, we wish uh, uh, Chelsea the best and we'll see what comes of it. But of course, I'm sure this would not be the last time we'll talk about it. So let's move on to the Champions League because that starts tomorrow. Uh, and this is the second round or the second leg uh, of the round of 16. Um, so we're, we're just going to do this like we always do, predict. And especially because one team will have to move on and one team will have to drop out. Uh, I would just go through these games and then talk about um, uh, your your point of views. Um, so actually, I'm going to start with the Manchester City game uh, versus Sport, uh, Sporting. Um, I think the first leg was, what, 5-0 or something ridiculous like that. So yep. there's no way Sporting is going to score six goals, right? Yeah, or five goals at least to keep it. Yeah, so unless unless City decides not to travel for the game and then they play like, you know, the under-17s. That's the only way I can see Lisbon. Well, they Lisbon. don't have to travel very far because not only did they win five nothing, they won five nothing in Portugal. So this is the, <laughs> right. the, yeah, it's just whoever decides. I think well, half, is, half the team, half the first team could decide to show up to work that day, and they, I think they'll still coast through to the next round. Right, and and, and didn't Ronaldo play for this team? Maybe he's in Portugal right <laughs> now, so that he can. <laughs> <laughs> he can play against his own. His own. He can play his own derby uh, tomorrow, but uh, or whatever that is. Um, all right. So yeah, I think that I think we're on all on the same page. I see Manny nodding, so I I think he agrees that City is going through. Um, it's a question of just who they meet after this. Um, let's talk about the Bayern Salzburg game. I, I didn't watch the first game or the first leg, but I've been keeping a close eye on the Bundesliga because I know every year I get disappointed because I keep thinking and your team is going to beat uh, Bayern to the trophy in the Bundesliga. But now, uh, you know, Bayern, the last, what, four or so games, they're not doing so hard. They've only won... Uh, two games, and one was a very convincing game, but the remaining, the other one that they won was not convincing, was against Frankfurt, of course, but they they, they drew Salzburg in the first game. Uh, the, you know, the Nigerians dealt with, with Bayern. Um, they drew Le uh, Leverkusen um, on Saturday. Um, Bayern are looking so hot, and, and I think part of it is also because, uh, you know, my, uh, Noya was injured so I don't I think they're struggling with the leadership in the back line uh however though he's back so that said tomorrow 3 p.m on Tuesday Bayern is playing at home to Salzburg do we see or foresee any kind of upset here no I don't I don't think so I mean like I feel like I need to start paying more attention to Bundesliga like you said Bori like I, I'm gonna start watching more Bayern games because there is something going on. I think I agree with you. There's something there that's not quite right. Um, but that. Oh, I'll tell like, you. 
It's a Upamecano. Upamecano is. <laughs> I know. Well, horrible. I know. Horrible. I know. I, we, we've talked about him before. So, like, I, I want to reserve, like, I, I want to watch some of their games in the Bundesliga to see um, how that's how that's turning out right now. But, uh, anyways, in terms of this game against Salzburg, I, I you know, uh, it's at home for Bayern. I. I say, I think I said the same thing for the first leg, which is like they usually, they, you know, they don't typically have two bad games in a row. Um, and I was kind of proven wrong when I said that. Make that, <laughs> yeah. Make that yeah, three. Well, let me say this then. Uh, put me on the record. Bayern never has have four games bad in a row. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, Manny, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think you already shook your head no, but. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, I, I will say this. Um, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back because I said Brendan Aronson was going to be vital to Salzburg. And sure enough, he was very important in that first leg, but you know, second leg at, at home, you know, with, with all the fans, um, that's one of the most like difficult stadiums to play in. Uh, so, you know, the fans the noise, the atmosphere, as Justin mentioned, I don't see them four in a row. No, no way. All right. Um, so I, I'm not. I'm going to be different, but not too different. Uh, I think it'll be one-one, and because, it, well, I guess it doesn't matter if the, the, it was a away goal rule or whatever. Um, I think they'll go into extra time and and probably penalties, but then Bayern will still win. However, though, I don't think Bayern is going to go past the next round. Um, that's my prediction. Mm. But I'm also like 20% like there may be an upset. 20% there may be an upset. Okay. So. We'll see. Um, let's talk Liverpool Inter Milan. I think this is another interesting one. Uh, Inter Milan has not been doing well. Uh, I think Inzaghi. So Inzaghi is the coach, not Filippo Inzaghi, but the brother of Filippo Inzaghi, who was also a Simone. player. Simeone. The the problem with Simeone historically is he does well in the beginning of the season. You know, then when it comes to like maybe a third into the second half of the season. Then he starts to slump, and we're in the, you know, we're in that situation where, you know, we're past the third, or you know, we're more than half, way more than half now of this of the season, and he's already starting to slump. They did beat the last place team on Friday on Friday, 5-0. Now I'm not saying that means anything. I'm just saying like, for example, Lautaro's is now scoring again, and I, I remember saying this last time we recorded, Lautaro's not does scores. You know, five in five games and then stops scoring. So he's starting and scoring again. Not saying that he's going to score in Liverpool, but maybe he will score in Liverpool. And I don't know if that's going to be enough or not. But um, I think that win last Friday is probably kind of giving them encouragement. We're going to have Barella playing again in this in this game, which brings gives them more uh, pace up front. Um, I just don't see that 2-0 is just a big gap. If it was 1-0, I think they can do it. But the, the fact that it's 2-0, I think is is the problem. So so with that said, my opinion is I think they'll try to get close, but I think it's going to be a situation where maybe they they may win even like 2-1. But it like I think they they may win, but it won't be enough to to get them through to the next round. Yeah. To your point, Bori, just looking at some historical notes. Uh, in the history of the Champions League, for teams that have that gave that lost by two or more goals at home in the first leg, uh, only one of 41 teams in that situation have ever advanced, have ever overcome a 2-0 deficit. Um, Tell me, it's my beloved Milan. Tell me, it's Milan. It's not Milan. It's not. Uh, it's a it's team Barcelona? that we've discussed. It's a team that we talked about earlier in this episode. Spurs? Chelsea? Manchester United, of course. Oh, my God. In 2018-19 against PSG. They lost oh, two. Yes. They lost 2 nothing at home, and then they won 3-1 in Paris. Oh, yes. The good old days so. of away goals. Uh, <laughs> right. Never going to happen this time around. Yeah. All right. Liverpool, well, Liverpool go through. Right. Liverpool go through. Liverpool are not going to lose. Yeah, yeah, I think... I think they will go through. I think they, they will, yeah, mathematically they will go through, unfortunately. But we'll see. We never know. Never say never. But 2-0 is, is, is big, and I think it's it's hard. Now, the last one, though, um, Real Madrid PSG, I think this is the one that 
if you had asked me before Friday, I would be like, oh yeah, PSG is going through easy. Uh, Manny, I'd like to hear your thoughts about this game. I just want to start off by saying um, PSG shouldn't even have been, like they should have put this game away in like the first 25 minutes at that first leg at home. Like they, sure. like they had so many opportunities. I don't know if like just watching it was so frustrating because they had all the chances in the world to be up three nil easy at halftime. And they are in this, you know, predicament now um, with possibly their best player out because of an injury that his own teammate caused in training. I don't know if you saw that the reason why he's going to be out is because um, I think it was uh, Idrissa Gaia, yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. the midfielder. Mm-hmm. I, I think like he actually like tried to, you know, in training, you're playing one touch right quickly. He actually ended up with his studs on top of Mbappe's like left foot or something like that. Classic. Um, yeah. So it's kind of ironic that if a i mean the fact that mbappe now you know with the media with his connection so-called alleged connection and decision already made to join real madrid he's not even going to play there you know like there was all this um hype for the game and it's not even going to be there you don't have an mbappe you don't have a sergio ramos you know those we wanted to see those those players participate in this game um psg just lost uh last week they lost um who yep. was it to uh leon was it no 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 uh no, nice 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 thank you something with the name yes they, oh Gaultier, yes Gaultier, who by they, the way used to coach lille and and beat them last season too so yep yeah. So they just lost. Um, they won't have Mbappe, like I said, who seemingly is the only player that can make anything happen um, at the turn of a dime. And on the opposite hand, you have Real Madrid, who are first um, in La Liga and have been catching form. Um, so, again, um, I was all for PSG winning this. I thought they were going to do it very comfortably. I actually, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Real Madrid pulls it off. Yeah, very and, unconventional. And hold on, hold on, and yeah. I'll take it a step further. Pochettino gets sacked. Manchester United hired Pochettino by the end of the month. Wow, that's that's a very bold <laughs> one. And international break is coming up too, so that'll be a good time to do it too. There you yeah. go, Justin. Uh, nothing. I was just I was gonna make a joke about it being. Uh, re- strangely enough, Real Madrid, who had made the uh, the announcement that Mbappe would not be playing in the upcoming fixture. Um, <laughs> I'm sure yeah. they, they made, probably made a phone call to him and let him know, like, you know, it's a, it's okay if uh, your foot's hurting you. You can just sit this one out. But I agree with <laughs> yeah, a more serious note, though. I do agree with Manny that, like, PSG is going to rue the amount of the chances that they ruined or that, that they, they'd let go in the first leg. It was like it was mostly one way traffic from my perspective in the first leg and PSG did not capitalize and it's going to come back and bite them. I actually think that Real Madrid have a really good shot of um, pulling the upset. You could consider it an upset perhaps uh, and move on to the next leg. The yeah. next round. So I, I would say, you know, my, my, the likelihood of PSG going through before was very, like, I think it was, I had like almost a hundred, like 90% essentially, but now it's gone down to let's say 70%. I still think PSG will go through. I think, uh, especially because, again, no Casemiro. I know Kamavinga did well, scored a, a worldly, uh, you know, uh, this last weekend. Uh, and they, they don't have Fen- uh, Ferran Mendy also in left back. So I think if you have players like, you know, obviously Neymar and uh, and Angel Di Maria, they can still, you know, they could do a, a, a number on, on the, on the you know, on the fullbacks. But oh, that's the magic. Messi, I mean, Messi maybe I, I would say one thing that is different with so PSG knows that they know that they need to pick it up in the Champions League because let's be honest that like they're what uh, I think 13 points or something or 11 points uh, in uh, number uh, like 
point difference in in the gone so they're probably mentally like oh i don't care about this game um so i mean obviously i'm sure they do but you know let's be honest like they don't really like their their sites are on champions League. i think they tend to, to turn it up let's not also forget when psg beat them if you see the previous games that PSG played in Ligon, like they were getting slapped around and they were tying games. So um, I think that's the only, that's the difference. I think I think the difference is like PSG knows that they need to pick it up to win Champions League and they're such a, a different team in the Champions League. Now, the other side of the coin is it's Ancelotti experienced and also it's Real Madrid experienced in Champions League. So they are built for these kind of comebacks. But I do think this time around, I think PSG has got it. So I, I, I will give mm. the, the edge to, to PSG. Um, Messi hasn't it, scored. Messi hasn't scored on Real Madrid in years. I'll just bring that up as well. Like, he doesn't have to score. He just has to assist. Yeah. He, oh, really? So he doesn't. So that's why he missed that penalty kick. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't got have to it. score. Doesn't have to score. <laughs> hey, but actually though, I, I did see Cardi play this. Uh, uh, I watched I watched the highlights of the PSG game, um, and Icardi was 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 playing. He looked okay. There was actually uh, he was making the right runs. I don't think he's Champions League ready though. So I, I expect that the front line will be Neymar, Messi, and and uh, De Maria. I do think that Icardi will come in at some point. But imagine the scenes if he comes in and then scores the last minute winner. I mean, what an unlikely uh, source to do it. But I uh, just wanted to call that out because again, he's a forgotten, forgotten man in the world of football right now. So mm-hmm. I don't know why I call his name, but watch him score the winning goal, and then I'd be like, I told you. <laughs> Anyways, I think that's all we have. Anything else before we, we we wrap it up? All right, cool. Well, thank you, thank you all for listening. Uh, we are on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcast. We hope to see you next week uh, where we talk about the second half of the second leg of the round of 16 of Champions League and hopefully talk about the the, the maybe the surprises of, of teams that qualified already. So we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.